Welcome to the Living In Podcast, a show that helps successful real estate teams accelerate their growth and impact. Livian, love how you live in all aspects of life. All right, so this week I'm joined by Reed Moore. And Reed, um, we could go and have tons of conversations, but I want to start by you telling me about owning a salon and like day spa business. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so much. Because when I look at you, <laughs> I think salon and day spa. I'm very well, uh, well kept. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, yes. No, it was uh, it was early on. Um, you know, it, it was it was my 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 master's degree in business and what not to do. Okay. So, you know, it's it's one of those things in our industry, maybe just in life. Vision has a lot of power, yeah. and we had this amazing vision to really serve people. Uh, and specifically, it was in that that industry. There was a there was a school that was uh, in Alaska that taught all the ladies that went there to do their their aesthetics and and you know that was um, you know that was the school. Yeah. And they just really really took advantage of uh, kind of broken young young gals that came through there. Right? Okay. Prostitution, selling drugs out there. They back. took advantage of. Them? Took advantage of. Them. Oh wow. In that industry, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of brokenness. Okay. People that are just kind of last ditch ditch effort. Yeah. To make a living. And so we decided, hey, if, if we can get into this industry, me and our, our business partner that was okay. like, you know, probably barely out of high school. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, we can go we'll change we, it. We can change it. Yeah. And so so we had a lot of vision and okay. no experience or wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was a train wreck. So what was bad about it then? <laughs> so what was bad about it is I knew nothing about the industry. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, just just <laughs> nothing, right? Like, cool, that sounds fun. Let's go start a new business, right? Salon for the real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just mean, like, weird that you were, like, thinking of a salon. Like, what made you think that you would know, or did you realize you knew nothing about it? Uh, no, our business partner was knew that. In oh, okay, okay, okay. Right, but she was also young and immature, and she woke up yeah. one day and decided, hey, this isn't what I want to do with my life. Yeah. And so we got, you know, we got stuck holding the bag. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, it ended up leaving us $800,000 of debt because wow. along with all the foolishness was that if you build it, they will come. Okay. Right. So just like, you know, this is pre-crash 2008. So, yeah. so everybody's like, here, you need more money. You need more money. You need more money. Oh, uh, so everyone thinks you can make money on every investment. And so people yeah. are willing to give you money. Yeah. I have a great reputation. Like, you know, uh, every, everybody loves, loves me yeah. and, uh, but that doesn't make you wise. It doesn't make you smart. Yeah. yeah. It makes you fun to have at a party but not necessarily the best salon owner. Yeah. Um, and so what did you learn from that? Uh, so I learned <laughs> the, the biggest, there are several lessons, but one of the big lessons I learned was invest in what you know. Okay. Right. The other thing was as sexy as it is to go big, go, go big or go home. Yeah. Actually, you should go small. Yeah. You know, like, like try something out first and, and everything inside of you, it, yeah, as an entrepreneur is not going to want to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you do that and it fails, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Right. If you do it, it succeeds. It's slow, but it's stable. Yeah. So if you can think back, what was it like to fail? And then what were, what did, what did you feel? What did you think? You know, you've, you've got a wife and, and a family at the time. What were conversations like at home? Like kind of draw out what that vision was or what things were like at the time. Uh, miserable. Okay. So, so painful. You know, we, we woke up one day and we had, you know, an $8,000 a month negative cash flow in our early 20s. Wow. Okay. And we employed single moms. 
Okay. So like, okay, there's a special place in hell for people who don't pay single mom. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh man. Right? Yeah. And so, and, and I grew up where it's like, you know, you pay your bills, you yeah. pay on time. That was the, you know, that was the ethic. And so, so there was all of that crushing weight that just, you know, every day it was wake up and, and it forced me to get really, really clear, really fast. Okay. Because I had to pay, I had to pay the ladies out. Of course. And I had to dig myself out of this like increasingly huge hole. Yeah. And so it was a year of working 16 hour days, like, you know, quiet yourself to sleep, so depressed in the morning, you just go stand in the shower for an hour to be able to put on your happy face and go do wow. it. Yeah. And and we just dug and dug and dug and dug until we dug ourselves out. Some people would have just said, sorry, we can't do it. And um, we're really sorry this didn't work. We can't pay you. How come that wasn't an option? I don't think it actually crossed my mind as an option. Okay. I didn't have any experience growing up uh, around anybody really that had any money, but yeah. but also anybody who wasn't deeply tied to their word because you, you grow up in a farming town. Uh, you know, even even if two guys don't like each other, yeah, uh, they you still, said a farming town. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're in uh, Western Montana, right? Yeah. So it was just one of those things. Like, I didn't. I don't think I actually knew at the time that bankruptcy was even a thing. <laughs> yeah. For, for like normal people, uh -huh. I thought. Yeah. Like, oh, I remember that. You're yeah. a big company. Like you can do this. Man, I would have been way better off filing when I had no money and was in debt. If I knew it was an option. Yeah. But the crucible of digging out of a hole, you know, eating, eating top ramen. Yeah. You know, you're, you're making $30,000 a month and you're broke, broke. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it, there was a lot of formative time in those first, you know, three years. Yeah. And so were you, how did you, how did you get out of that hole? So, um, just went out and sold a lot of real estate. I just, yeah. I, I wasn't very good. Actually up until that point, uh, real estate was something that I did kind of as a hobbyist okay. or as a definition of non-talent. I, I, I didn't know, <laughs> I, I didn't know what was possible and I wasn't looking. Okay. Right. And so all of a sudden the pain forced me to really get clear on, you know, I'm doing all these things and, and there's this experience that some of us have, which is from the outside looking in, people are like, you're amazing. You do this and this and this and this. And everybody's impressed because it looks a little bit better than everybody else. Yeah, of course. And, and you start to realize over time that it's, it's not, yeah. right? There's nothing that I'm doing that's going to change the world. There's nothing I'm doing that's even approaching a mastery level and all. Yeah. And so it was time to get focused on business, which the business I knew was real estate. Okay. And so at that point, I had not heard the word lead generation yeah. in six years. Uh, I didn't even know what a script or a dialogue was. Same thing. Okay. No idea what that even meant. But I knew that I had to figure something out. Okay. And it was just jump, jump on the phones and call until I couldn't call anymore. So eventually you realized you had no option. You could either not uphold your word and your commitment and your ethics, or you could figure out a solution. And so when given no choice, you figured out real estate was the solution to, to get out of it. And I, I wanted to start there because today your business looks drastically different. One, you don't have a day spa. And two, um, yes. you, uh, you, you know, you, you don't even actually live in the state that you primarily generate your revenue from. Right. And, and so there's a lot of people that would see Reed more today and go, wow, Reed's probably just like wired to be incredibly successful. And what I, what, what I know is that that's not how it started. So how did you go from, from failing at your initial business venture then to where you are now? So there were a couple, a couple pieces of the process. One is getting clear on what I was created to do. Um, real okay. estate, some people like real estate, the actual transaction, they are they are just wired for that. Yeah. For me, it's building people. Okay. It's what I'm good at, it's what I love doing. And in business- What does that mean? 
Well, what it means is I'm good at helping unlock people's potential. Okay. So if you meet somebody on the street and they grew up like me where it was, you know, duct tape and bailing twine and like you're <laughs> stoked if you make 40 grand. Yeah. Here, yeah. Uh, nobody's ever talked to you or, or like push those buttons or flip those switches that help you think bigger and realize that you can actually do more. Yeah. So I started realizing I'm actually really good at that with people. I'm okay. good at my mission, which is to build wealth and wholeness with everyone I serve. Okay. And so all of a sudden I said, okay, well, if I can build, if I can sell real estate and I can build that skill set, yeah. then I can help other people sell real estate with me. And if I make a reasonable amount of money off of helping them do this, then well, my life's going to get big by helping them build. How did you realize you were good at that? So I came from kind of a ministry background. Okay. And so I did, uh, I did that kind of in, in the church world. Just the challenge for me was that I'm a pretty assertive behavioral style yeah and talking to somebody you know like i had empathy for him but i'm like are we do you want to actually do something about this <laughs> because if you don't like i my like i what i can't really help <laughs> can, yeah. yeah and so so then putting it into the business world where all of a sudden i'm like okay i can actually attract people that that care about the outcome okay and and i can hold them accountable because they don't have to be a part of my world if they're not going to be accountable yeah and so it was just throttle down and 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 different story when they're when you're in the ministry right that like you still have to keep them as part of your world yeah just kind of loving them along and all and there's you know there's certainly skill sets like my wife is a, a great example of that she has that ability just to love and not try okay. and correct just love and be with you right you guys okay. are experienced she's yeah. amazing right yeah. very sweet and for me i'm like i can feel my skin melting <laughs> and i'm just like so you just told me this and you don't want to do anything about it okay <laughs> I find. Hear yourself. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Might be punked. Yeah. So then, you know, you see two different ways that that someone's business goes. Sometimes when they have that personality trait, I, I like I think of it like Icarus, right? It's like you can fly too close to the sun and you can just set people on fire. Yes. Um, and and burn them down, or you can set them ablaze to go start a movement. Where's the fine line for you between those two? Uh, it was, that was a very hard lesson for me to learn because ultimately I had to start acting as if, which is true, it's in their life. It's not mine. Okay. Right. When you see somebody and you, you're watching somebody and they're not living up to their potential and they're not paying attention to that. It's, it didn't can easily become about you. Yeah. And so I started realizing that some of my trying to ignite the fire in other people was about me getting what I wanted for them from them or yeah which ultimately wasn't about them yeah and so that that started me down this this journey of really in a lot of ways learning how to be more patient which okay. is, is brutal <laughs> just just brutal because you, you know like there's a lot of things that i you know you, you learn to predict things you learn how to figure things out with numbers yeah and and then there's like this people element which is i have no idea what day it's going to be that you're going to wake up and the light bulb's going to go off yeah i don't know if it's ever going to happen i don't know if it's going to be tomorrow or two years yeah. from now but you're talented and you're moving forward. So let's keep going. Yeah. How long did it take you to figure out leadership and to some workable capacity? So I had um, I had the fortune of of working with and building teams before real estate. Okay. And so uh, and and previously I was in the military, and so there were just some layers of things that I was yes. introduced to, and uh, and it just they just kind of started layering on, but. Yeah. I think that I think that when leadership really took off for me was when I realized that all excellent leadership is self-leadership that now is just magnified 
or copied and pasted. Okay. Right. So like, you know, I come to you and I'm like, Hey Eric, like this is something mean, you should really get in line it in, you know, with your life. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no ethos to that. There's no, um, you know, there's no weight to it. If, if I'm not doing it in my life and I'm yeah. trying to help you do it in your life, that's an issue. Right. So, so for me, I started realizing if people can't see it in me and I'm not fighting the battle over my, my calendar, my yeah. mission, all those things, then at some level, my leadership's going to be capped because yeah. it's not strong at the core. Okay. So you start modeling then what leadership should look like so that you can model it for other people to, to start implementing themselves. And then your, and then eventually you step out of your day-to-day business. Yeah. You're one of the like three unicorns who've done that. So, uh, it's like the mythical, like, you know, a ch- level of achievement that yes. very few people get to. H- how do you get to operating a real estate company in a state that you don't live in? Uh, so the first thing what is... Are, what are the secrets? I want to write this down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the secrets aren't secrets, right? They're okay. really, really hard. Okay. Uh, you know, there's no secret to being a great baseball player, but you actually have to do it. Yeah. Okay. What uh, is you have to, you have to be able to hire talent, but more than just hiring talent, I think one of the places where we really miss it is staying in relationship with talent. And, you know, staying in... After you hire them? After you hire them. Okay. Because there's there's all the things we typically talk about, like, you, you got to stay out of their way. Yeah. And you have to make a big world for them. All that's... You're right, like... Yeah, okay, those are great glitches. Yep. Great glitches. You have to be able to have an unbelievable amount of conflict with that person without having your hand on the ripcorn of the relationship. Tell me more about that. So let's say you and I are in business together and you're talent, which means you're constantly frustrating me <laughs> and vice versa. True. <laughs> which, which is what it's like for everyone around me. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, so there's this, there's this tension, right? Yeah. Just like a guitar string or anything else that creates like great music and yeah. tension. And so okay. we understand that. The issue is, is if I'm in this relationship and, and when the tension gets too high, I think, you know what? I'm going to put, I'm going to put my hand on the rip cord. Like you better not cross this line or I'm, I'm pulling the rip Got cord. it. It's like threatening divorce with your wife or something. Yeah, that's that's right. Like, okay. here's a relationship that should be like so solid yeah. that it can it can take you can take the tension. Yeah. And now I'm 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 saying that thing that you thought was solid, I'm pulling the rug out from under you. Okay. And so in a in just like in a marriage, but in in a business relationship, if we're gonna build something big, we're going to have times where we're gonna have a lot of times where we're gonna want to pull the rip coin. Yeah. It can't be in the DNA. Of the, of the relationship. Yeah. So how do you find out with someone quickly about whether they can stay at the table and fight with you? I don't think you find out quickly, which is the okay. other, that's the other like dirty little secret. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when did you, when's the last time you formed uh, a lifelong, like in the trenches, we bleed together relationship in three months? Yeah. Yeah. That's just not, that's not reality. Yeah. Right. So you, you have these markers of character, you have these markers of performance. And then the rest is, is, is reps. Okay. Right. I mean, I did tell my wife I was going to marry her after 10 days. So, but you've met my wife. I mean, it's understandable. So <laughs> <It'd be> totally, <laughs> yes. but we had, we hadn't argued then. That's a uh, sales <laughs> conversation. Like, I just like fish on. <laughs> that's right. I just was a good, I just made a good pitch. Uh, so, totally reasonable. so you, you find out then possibly after your, you know, upstream on, multiple months or multiple years that you can't actually resolve conflict. How fast do you run headfirst at conflict then 
um, at your relationships that you're in business with today? Uh, you know, it's uh, the 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 right answer is fast. Okay. The real answer is fast, and then you have great conflict, and then you solve some things, and then things get good for a while. Okay. And you have periods of time where you're not at each other's throats in conflict, and that rebreeds the fear of conflict again because we had conflict here we got comfortable with that mm -hmm. but now we're here and the air is a little bit thinner are we still okay with oh, conflict okay. and now we have conflict and it all works out and yeah. now we're here and it's like if i fall off this mountain it's going to be bad yeah and so the whole time there are uh there are opportunities for that so so the farther down the road you go the the deeper the relationship has to be as well the, okay the more context there has to be for the conflict the more security there has to be in order to actually know that the conflict doesn't result doesn't result in divorce termination yeah. separation of relationship how different is that from parenting it's it's not okay leadership and parenting are the, they're, the, they're the exact same thing yeah it sounds very paternalistic but it's it's true no i mean i've 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 heard you talk about parenting stories, so it sounds it sounds really similar to the stories that you've shared about how you parent. Yeah, so when, when kids are really, really little, there is lots of low-lying conflict. Yeah. Say please, say yeah. please, say please. No, 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 no. Like nonstop, right? Yeah. They get a little older, and then all of a sudden you're not doing that anymore, but but the, the things that you're dealing with are core character issues. Mm -hmm. And and so now there's they're a little more consequential, and now your kids are deep into their teens. Yeah. And and the 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 level of relationship you have to have to have some of those conversations without them pulling the ripcord. Yeah. Significant and some, scary. Sometimes you have to wake them up like in the middle of the night and um, <laughs> and teach them and teach them a couple lessons or something, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we've had some. Uh, well, yeah, and the other thing, the other thing that we learned, like with parenting, is you learn that the style that you use when they were little, all of a sudden, yeah. it doesn't work anymore. You start realizing, I have to actually grow the way I'm addressing this situation because, as a parent and as a leader, yeah. wherever I stop growing is where I stop, you know, like stop being effective. Okay. So I ran it as a parent several times where you know I go to address something in a way that's worked before and it doesn't work anymore, and I realize like I don't have the next wrench in the drawer. Right. I don't have the next tool. Holy crap. And it's the same way in business. Yeah. Yeah. So today then what is, what is, uh, the, the read more empire look like? So we're in, uh, we're in four locations okay. across three States do about five to 600 transactions a year. Yeah. And, um, my, my role inside of the company is, is, is training. Okay. I realized that one of the gifts that I bring isn't, isn't so much. There are people that are better at organizational leadership than I am. Yeah. And they, they run at the helm. But for me to be able to take 21 years worth of life experience, leadership experience, yeah. and break it down for people who are all across the spectrum of their journey, it's really valuable. Do we, we had a conversation, um, when, when we were in like the Captain Hook, uh, restaurant bar and uh and it really stuck with me um one of the things you said was that you you hate entitlement and then you realized that you were showing up with entitlement and so tell me tell tell me more about that yeah it's um as we go on our success journey we actually like recycle the same emotions and the same traps over and over and over again it just looks different. So you talk to the billionaire and he's over here and he's complaining about the economy. He's complaining, complaining, complaining. <laughs> you're like, holy crap. Yeah. You're like my 16 year old. Okay. Right. But you, you're just, you're just here. Yeah. Um, 
I hate seeing entitlement in my kids, right? There's nothing, that lack of gratitude for them having everything that they have is something that it's just like, I see red. Yeah. And so I've always kind of been this champion of like no entitlement. And all of a sudden, like we're on a trip, I, I look up and I realize a lot of my actions or my anger or the things that are in actions right now are a result because of me actually deeply believing that I'm entitled to this. Like, don't you like know I've earned, earned this? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I earned it yesterday, yeah. but I haven't earned it today and I haven't earned it tomorrow. Yeah. And, and that's like, welcome to life. Is that how you figured out that your role is training? Yeah. Did you have to get back into the business to do training, even though you didn't want to? I did. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have to go back into the transaction side of the business, uh, but I did have to make peace in doing that or anything it takes. Okay. Because there's this, there's this level of, um, I think some people make, make decisions. They, they get to a place where they realize they're entitled, whether they see it in that yeah. language or not. And then they go like all the way back to, to the very beginning. It's like timeout. That's not it. Yeah. I need to figure out where do I need to reinsert myself to be effective. Okay. And along with that process was also the, like the emotional journey of just saying, whatever it takes to be effective, I will choose to do that. How long did it take for you to have that awareness? I probably threw an internal tantrum for a couple months. <laughs> a couple months isn't bad, all things considered, yeah. you know? Um, actually, you know, you coach a lot of, a lot of um, leaders and, and entrepreneurs. Do you think that's one of the big challenges in the marketplace right now is that people have that same entitlement to not go do the basics that they thought they, they outgrew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, we get, um, we get molded and shaped by our culture. And, you know, as yeah. Americans, we, we want to think like we're so independent, like that doesn't happen. But when you go through times of like extreme prosperity, yeah, especially after you've gone through incredible deep hardships, now all of a sudden the whole idea of going back to any type of, of hardship yeah. in business, it's pretty rough and there's a gut check. And, and I've watched more than a few people and it's not even right or wrong, but they've taken a look they've counted the cost and said, no, nah. not worth it. And some of them, they, they look up, they count the cost and they say not worth it. And they've set themselves up where they can make that decision. Okay. Others, right? Like financially they're fine. They don't have to. Others look up and they make that decision and they're not paying attention to the consequences. Yeah. That's, that's a scary thing. Okay. And so those that have put themselves in the financial position to decide to not go back and, and do the fundamentals again, yeah. um, have the ability to, to do that. When I think of someone who's put themselves in that position, um, you're a, a, uh, a legendary vacationer. Uh, so what's the best vacation you've been on? Uh, it's, it's the one with you actually. Oh, well, that's a, you have to say that right now. <laughs> yeah. so, but, uh, so other than that, what would be like, what's your favorite way to, to detach from work and, and vacation? I love being on the water. Okay. So any opportunity to, to go sailing or be on a boat, there's something yeah. about, um, I have a hard time sitting still. I have a hard yeah. time just being, go be on the water and it just flips the switch. And so I really enjoy, I really enjoy that because there's something very kind of cathartic about being on the water. How hard is it for you to, to like turn off the, from working while you're doing that? Well, um, I'm really good at it now. Okay. And, and that's something about the water. So if I, if I go on vacation, there's not water involved. It's, I can have a hard time shutting my brain off. Yeah. I've gotten better at it over the years, but, but that's the, that's kind of the, the trick for me. Okay. How long of a journey do you think that was? So you're coaching, you know. 
someone who listens, our audience being, of course, like successful team owners, how long was that journey as far as like years from the time that you went in the trenches, out of the business, and then being able to actually reprogram yourself? I didn't go on a vacation for eight years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Not, not recommended. Not yeah. <laughs> Tell me, you didn't go on vacation for eight years. How come? Um, I, I didn't, I didn't think I could. So this was, it, it was way back in the day. Okay. I didn't understand leverage. It was, it was, um, you know, uh, I didn't understand leverage. I was, I was always attached to a dial up. We went, we went home to visit family a few times, but I was working. Yeah. I went on, we went to Mexico one time and I was working. Okay. And, and so I was just, you know, when, when you're physically somewhere, but you're yeah. emotionally somewhere else. Yeah. And my, uh, we, we ended up hiring an incredible executive assistant and going on a trip. And I yeah. we're on this trip. My wife just starts crying. I'm like, uh-oh. Like, what just happened? <laughs> what did you do? Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, you're here. Wow. And we're on vacation. Wow. And it was, it was phenomenal. So, um. So it took me way, way, way too long. Yeah. What I would say for somebody who doesn't want to like burn eight years of their life without going on vacation, yeah. checking out, I think there's two things that are important. One, one is to understand how much uh, of an addiction your phone can be. Yeah. And it's not just about having like full rules, but mm -hmm. if you're going to go on a walk with your spouse, try leaving your phone at home and see what kind of negative emotions it induces. Like, like sometimes just sheer panic. Yeah. So all of a sudden I realized this thing is in control of me. I'm not in control of it. Okay. And so anything like that in your life, whether it's your phone or alcohol or just any of that stuff, if you're going to actually be on vacation and be present, whatever those things are, I would just say remove them. I would just say start with your phone. Yeah. The second one is, is that we're working so, so often very reaction, you know, like we're in a reactive state when we're working. If we become proactive with our work, we can stride out ahead. So when we're on a vacation, we, we've thought things through. Yes, there's stuff that's going to happen when you come back. You're going to need to work hard again. But a lot of it is, is if I'm reacting, 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 and all of a sudden the next day I can't react, I'm just going to try to keep reacting. Yeah. So you have the option you be inactive, reactive, or proactive. Yes. Right? And if you're not proactive, then then when you're inactive, yes, it, it'll be a disaster. Do you, um, you know, I know you said that you weren't, that, that Becca had the realization that you were present on vacation. Do you think you were present at home or did you miss the eight years of that also? I did a good job with that. Okay. Which I was very fortunate. You know, we, and that's all life was during that time though. It was, it was okay. very, very, uh, I was working or I was at home and I didn't have a lot of emotional energy to give, but okay, I learned something from my dad. My dad was not a, my dad was a, a phenomenal father, but, but he wasn't a, a highly skilled dad. Like he wasn't the dad that read all the, the books and went to, you know, yeah. no, yeah. my dad was there at every game. Okay. He wrestled with us and yeah. said he loved us. Yeah. That, that was pretty much all he had to offer. Yeah. And it was more than enough. Yeah. Right. You grow up with that as a kid, like you're, you're going to be fine. Yeah. So that was for those eight years is like, come home. I'm like, just absolutely spit. Okay. I can lay on the floor and I can tickle the kids and I can, I can rumble around with them. Yeah. Tell them I love them, put them to bed. Yeah. Right. It's cool. What are you most excited about uh, as we wrap up? What are you most excited about, about the future of either uh, your life and or real estate? So I'm excited about me. Um, I'm excited. Uh, it's been reignited in me how passionate I am about, about building and growing people. Okay. 
And our industry continues to evolve and evolve and evolve. And one of the things that's interesting about that is there's always the, uh, the evolution of our industry is always a chicken little conversation, just like the news. Yeah. I was like, the end's coming, the end's coming, the end's coming. Yeah. And sometimes I just step back and like, all right, time out. People still need to be loved. People still need to grow. People still need to be served. Yeah. And yes, I have to do all these other things, but what I'm, what I'm, passionate about is I think that over the next maybe 20 years, the ability to raise up leaders and to help people grow their lives in, in our increasingly um, hard to navigate emotional world is something I'm pretty stoked about. <laughs>